Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. Uh, excited to get back in the groove with you guys. I've been uh, a little bit MIA lately for two reasons. The first one is I had my first equipment mishap. I was so bummed about this. I did like a 30-minute uh, news rundown, talked about a bunch of great stuff with uh, Biden's new policies, about his press conference, all these different things. And then the audio got wiped, and not really wiped, actually. It was like this weird uh, echo and it sounded like it was almost like distorted. Like it was like my audio was through a filter or something like that. It was terrible. It definitely was not listenable. I didn't try to inflict it on you guys. Don't worry. So anyways, I had to scrap 30 minutes worth of podcasts and 30 minutes worth of editing work, which I was really bummed about. It's the first time I've had a mishap since I started doing these podcasts. Uh, I think I ejected the thing too early. You know, it's almost like an old school N64 cartridge when I, I have like an audio board that I record these on called a, a Rodecaster Pro for those of you who are interested. And, uh, I think what I did was I accidentally ejected the SD card too quickly to plug it in my laptop before like turning off the actual roadcaster. And I think it might've distorted the file. So anyways, that's one of my excuses. The other one's a little bit more exciting. I actually got into uh, Harvard business school. So I've been going through uh, an executive education program there. I'll graduate in two years uh, and be an alumni. So I'm pumped on that and uh, excited to share with you guys some of the uh, knowledge that I get from that journey. I've just been blown away by it so far. The I can't say enough good things. I'm sure I'll get into more detail at later point, so I won't bore you guys with it today. But uh, yeah, it's something that's been going on in my life is keeping me a little bit busy. So anyways, I'm excited to get back in the groove with you guys and to do more of these podcasts and to share with you some more knowledge. And I uh, wanted to kick off today, uh, since we kind of had a mishap, like I said, with the news rundown, instead of doing that again, because it'd be kind of boring. I actually got a listener question I wanted to cover with you today. And uh, it kind of worked out perfectly. I was sitting around kind of bored on a Sunday here. My girlfriend's out uh, celebrating a friend's birthday. So I was just sitting at the house alone playing some video games. Actually, old school Guitar Hero 3, for those of you who are fans out there, I've been clicking away again, busted off some of my old school video games. So I've been playing that and like NFL Blitz from N64. So having a little trip down memory lane from my childhood. But anyway, so I was just jamming along on Guitar Hero 3, acing some expert songs. And uh, Nima hit me up with a question. He says, Real estate is nuts though. Podcast idea, real estate predictions and economic impact in the next two to three years. So generally his question is, what do I think is going to happen with real estate and its economic impacts over the next two to three years? So I'll begin this podcast with a typical boring disclaimer that uh, I can't give investment advice in this podcast for entertainment purposes only. But with that out of the way, you know, assuming you guys aren't going to make decisions based solely off of what I tell you on the podcast, don't listen to strangers on the internet. Anyways, as long as you don't do that, I can get, share with you some thoughts. So here's how I feel about real estate in general. I want to frame the whole discussion by saying that I'm still a believer, like my previous podcast, that inflation is on the rise. And I believe that we're going to get a ton of inflation. It's only been exacerbated by these government policies that have been going on lately. A uh, quick recap on that. We've had trillions upon trillions of dollars, including, you know, what like they're talking about doing even another $3 trillion spending package right now, but we're already had tr trillions of dollars of stimulus that have happened. The money supply is measured by M2 has expanded at a rate that's pretty unprecedented. And all those things tend to be inflationary, especially when you combine it with the other aggregate economic effects. So let me put on my macroeconomics cap for a second for you nerds uh, who enjoy that kind of stuff. And uh, if you don't know, these will be a good uh, jump off point for you to research. You should understand aggregate demand and aggregate supply curves. So if you aren't familiar with that, check it out on Investopedia or Google it or something like that and familiarize yourself. But it's really important for understanding what's going on in the economy and you being able to make real time decisions in your business, your personal finance, and in your investing uh, based around these things and aggregate demand and 
aggregate supply is at the core of all these things. So basically what's happened with COVID, you know, once you familiarize yourself with the model, you understand this a little better, but basically what has happened with COVID is that aggregate demand, uh, we'll start with aggregate supply. It was obviously disrupted by uh, COVID because all the businesses got shut down and stopped supply, uh, supply lines literally, but there were less people producing goods in the economy. You know, all the restaurant sector is totally shut down, uh, had reverberating effects and all those people not having as much money to spend all things being equal who work in those industries. And we were set for a recession because of those things. I mean, obviously the most extreme example of turning off and of a recession would be turning off the economy, which is what we had to do in response to COVID. So whether you think that's right or wrong, politics aside, that's what happened. And the effects of that is that aggregate supply as a curve is shifted downwards. It contracts, right? So there's less aggregate supply because of those things. Now, normally aggregate demand would, would go down a little bit too. And uh, you might have a new lower equilibrium and be in a recession and you would do some monetary or fiscal uh, policy to, to drive an expansion, to drive, drive a boom in the economy. And that's surely what they did, right? Was that they did a ton of uh, fiscal policy and monetary policy decisions. They printed a lot of money. They, they did uh, the stimulus checks. They did relief for the businesses that had to shut down XYZ, all these programs. And again, th this is just talking purely from an analytical point, not passing judgment on were these good, were they bad, were they enough, were they too little, were they too much? You know, it's just a fact that these things happened. And what that does is it artificially inflates aggregate demand. And when that happens, prices are a little bit sticky. So although there's this increased aggregate demand and, and less supply, therefore prices should rise because the people who produce things don't have as many things to sell, but there's more people wanting to buy them. So instead of selling uh, selling out quickly and, and everything just being off the shelves and them having their old prices, they're going to go, whoa, there's tons of demand relative to what I have. I'm going to raise the prices on my goods. Well, it takes a little while for those things to reverberate and for it to show up in prices. We're starting to see it for the first time, especially in real estate, which we'll talk about today, but in some other goods as well, you know, food's gotten a little more expensive. I think gasoline is starting to get a little more expensive now, but we're starting to see some prices on staple goods that are in the CPI, the traditional measure for inflation starting to increase. So the point here being that all these policies can happen and everyone goes, whoa, look, there's no inflation. This is all okay. We have this new norm of modern monetary policy and all these things, but it, it's not necessarily, uh, true that we're in a new situation. That's kind of a typical way that people justify continuing booms because the people who create these booms have short-term incentives for them to continue like politicians trying to get reelected and things like this. So anyways, so all that is to say that uh, I don't think there's a new economic reality. I think that the old model still fits. It's just that prices are a bit sticky and they're taking a while to adjust to this new reality. So a recap, aggregate supply is down because supply chains are disrupted. Aggregate demand is artificially high because of stimulus, which puts us in a weird coffin corner where when prices increase, you're going to have inflation and potentially a recession. And that's called stagflation, where prices continue to spiral, but people aren't employed and can't afford these goods. And you have a particularly terrible economic outcome. Stagflation is large largely considered, considered the worst outcome that you can have, kind of akin to deflation and runaway inflation being behind that and, and orders of magnitude in terms of how terrible they are. So we, we do have kind of a setup for stagflation right now that's scary. Although what would stop that would be policies that allow aggregate supply to return to normal. And that would bring us to a more normal long-term equilibrium where prices don't have to spiral out of control uh, to meet that new increased aggregate demand. And the good news is it seems like they're doing that. So this is a bit of an experiment in motion. I'll talk about this a lot in podcasts to come, but that framework will be really important for us discussing it. So make sure you study up if you don't understand what I'm talking about or hit me up with questions. I'll be happy to answer them uh, on my Instagram at the Blackwood Show. But listen, uh, th that's all to set up kind of what I'm going to say next is that I'm still 
believe that there will be some inflation. So even if they, they do policies that increase the aggregate supply curve, reopen the economy, get people back to work, blah, 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 blah. Even if all that stuff works out, I still think there will be a little inflation as we get through this thing. So what happens when there's inflation? What do you want to do as an individual? Well, you don't want to have money in cash because your money is going to buy less tomorrow than it can buy today, right? Because as inflation increases, uh, a dollar today is not worth as much as a dollar tomorrow. It's going to take more dollars tomorrow to buy goods, right? So the last thing you want to do is sit on cash because your cash is becoming increasingly worthless. Its purchasing power is decreasing due to that inflation for those of you who are not familiar. So that would make you want to look at hard assets. You want to look at investing that money, maybe even some stocks, although certain stocks don't do very well in inflationary periods. Certain ones do. REITs would be an example, real estate investment trust where you might invest. Historically, it was gold, although some people are arguing that Bitcoin is the new digital gold, quote unquote. But, you know, hard assets like that, commodities, blah, blah, blah. Those are all good things to be in. But traditionally, during inflationary periods, people have really made out like bandits by investing in real estate. So when I saw all this coronavirus stuff unpacking and unfolding, I actually upgraded my house in a big way. I bought, I bought a house that's about three times as much as my old house uh, during all this. And, and the reason I did that was that I thought it was with low interest rates so I could get a really good mortgage and a potential inflation on the horizon. And the fact that I've been looking to upgrade my house for a while anyways, because my, my personal situation kind of changed, uh, I thought it was the perfect storm for me to buy a house. Now, simultaneously, there's a lot of smart people I knew who were scared. They thought we we're going to have an economic collapse, that houses would be ultra cheap, that all these people would be getting evicted, X, Y, Z. So they sat on the sidelines thinking back to like last May or so, you know, lots of people were saying, oh, I want to buy a house, but I'm wait for prices to collapse and I'm going to steal a house and be in a great position. And I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know that prices will collapse because of all this uh, stimulus and things like this. And I, I personally see a house as a really great personal investment. So I pulled the trigger out here in, in Phoenix, Arizona and upgraded my house. And I'm so glad that I did. I sold my old house really well. I had extra offers side unseen from California. And I went under contract within literally guys, 12 hours of listing the house, as I've mentioned on a podcast before. And then I upgraded my house and I, I paid list for my new house, which made me a little nervous emotionally. But then they had backup offers again from California, people leaving California, moving to Phoenix uh, for above ask. So I was kind of lucky I locked it in when I did. So if I look at the real estate around me, I think my house has appreciated a fair amount. Uh, my dad actually bought a house after me and he just got an offer, an unsolicited offer. He's not, he doesn't have his house on the market or anything, but he got an unsolicited offer here in Scottsdale, Arizona for 33% above what he paid for his house in just six months. So the market's crazy right now. It's really hot. Some people would argue that it's in a bubble and prices are artificially high because of the tight supply. But I think with inflation, a renewed focus on people's homes because they you know, had to stay in their houses during lockdown, and, uh, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lack of supply driving up prices, but I think that you may kind of have a new normal. This may be more like a Y axis bump than a bubble that's going to pop and fall way down again. Can't give you investment advice and anything's possible here. Trying to time markets. I kind of generally find to be a fool's errand. You spend more time, uh, missing out on opportunity than you do actually capitalizing on downturns. And the toughest part of timing markets, like people think they're going to be clever and sit on the sidelines and wait for the quote unquote, the bubble to pop. And then that they're going to jump in at the absolute lowest prices and steal a house, so to speak. And listen, that does happen from time to time. You know, housing is cyclical and it's going to have its ups and downs and good buying opportunities. But if you can afford the house that you're buying, so if you don't over financially extend yourself, I think it's just such a sound investment to buy as much house as you can, especially with mortgage rates so low right now. I, I'm really a big fan of buying real estate. And the final point I'd put in the, in the pro ch uh, uh, column when it comes to buying a home is that it's the only major investment you make that you get to personally enjoy, right? 
well, not the only one, but it's, it's one of the few investments that you can make that you can personally enjoy. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is like, if you have a, a great stock portfolio or if you own a lot of cryptocurrency and have a really exciting crypto portfolio or crypto wallet, um, even, even, you know, if you buy some, uh, some small businesses and things like that, it's not like you get to live in those things. Right. So, I mean, when was the last time that you owned some Microsoft stock and they invited you to come party in the Microsoft headquarters? Like you're not even allowed in there, <laughs> even though you own part of the business technically. So it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you get so much joy out of your primary home that I think it's just a really sound investment for most people. It's a great thing to have in your portfolio. Generally over time, housing prices do appreciate. So it's a pretty sound investment and it's a good discipline for people, you know, to, to make that mortgage payment and, and, uh, have it in their budget, I think is overall a pretty healthy thing, especially today's mortgage rates, you know, with mortgage rates at historical lows, you're not paying a lot of interest to get your home. I think that's a particularly good thing. So a couple of disclaimers to that. Some worries about the stock market where it sits today is, first of all, that inventory has been artificially suppressed. People aren't showing homes because of the COVID concern. So there's the you know classic supply and demand. There's not many houses on the market. So the houses that do go up get bid way up in price. And that could be why we have, uh, quote unquote, a huge appreciation in prices, but really it's over thin volume, right? Same thing with like a stock or something. If it trades with thin volume, you might not believe uh, extraordinary growth in price. But in this case, people are making the same argument with houses. I'm a little skeptical of that, but I'll get into that later. But that's one argument against buying a house right now is that it's artificially propped up in the market because there hasn't been much inventory. Another argument would be that uh, along the same inventory expansion lines would be that as the moratorium on rent abatement and people missing mortgage payments and things like this goes away and people have to start meeting those payments that we'll see an increase in evictions and a housing bubble burst uh, kind of akin to like 2008 where the market will just be flooded with new homes that the bank repos from people and they, and they sell into the community. I'm a little bit dubious of that as well because there's just been such a, a pro stimulus uh, stance lately that I think if that problem did start to arise, the government's going to nip it in the bud. Right now we're in a, a historic moment where the government basically has said nothing. There is no limit to our support of the economy. And you should really believe that, you know, to the extent that everyone continues to believe in our economy at all, then you can have a lot of faith that investments are going to be sound right now because you have the full faith and credit of the United States treasury and all the political will behind these stimulus as well. So I think if it does start to be like a mass eviction type of concern, the government's going to intervene is my personal theory. Again, can't give investment advice. Anything's possible. Maybe tons of people do get homeless and housing prices crash accordingly, but I, I'm skeptical of that outcome if you step back and look at it. Uh, but here's my observation about real estate overall. It's become more localized and extreme than ever before. And you may say, Taylor, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Real estate has always been local insofar that pockets of real estate, certain cities may have very different outcomes than other cities. So a great example would be like San Francisco has had some of the most you know, skyrocketing real estate prices and really all of California has seen huge appreciation in the last gosh, whatever, 20, 30 years. Right. And, uh, if you bought a house in the Bay area back in the day for $500,000, it's probably worth millions of dollars today, if not 10 million or something crazy like that. Right. So it's one of those things where there's just been crazy appreciation there. Whereas if you contrast that with like a mining town in the middle of Arizona where the mine closed, then obviously real estate had peaked way back in the eighties and it's in the tank now. Right. So real estate's always been local where the market really matters, but that doesn't affect most of us. Cause most of you guys listening to this are in a somewhat major met metropolitan area. So you don't have to worry so much about being a part of that gigantic trend down. Although you could be in a situation where there's a huge trend up and there's going to be bigger waves with that because with increased price swings comes increased volatility, meaning prices will, will swing further up and down. Um, and we've seen that more than ever during, uh, 
during the COVID lockdown. So the best example of that is like, if you look at real estate right now in like San Francisco, for example, certainly New York city, there are some steals to be had, I think in like Manhattan right now, you know, there's lots of people who left and went to Florida. There's lots of this push for work from home where everyone moved out to Staten Island or out to Westchester or Long Island and all these people are moving out of the city, out of Manhattan. And I think that's temporary. I think that's short-sighted. I don't think this work from home thing works the way that newspapers might be hyping it up or companies might be using it in this period. I think lots of these people are going to get called back to the office and those metropolitan areas, those city centers are going to start to, or sorry, city centers, not metropolitan areas, but city centers are going to start to see a regrowth. So I think right now you have a temporary crash in prices in places like Manhattan and stuff like that. And there's lots of fear there about the prices continuing to fall down and people never returning to New York city or something. But I think those fears are overhyped. So I think now is actually a good time to buy in certain cities like that. If you're interested And some of my classmates have even said as such, you know, one of them has an ambition to have a second home in Manhattan and he was kind of asking everyone's advice, but sound like he's going to pull the trigger on buying something soon because he just loves it there and he's been tracking the prices and they're way, way down. So I see that as a temporary effect. And I think that those types of uh, pockets are going to see regrowth now. Again, real estate is more local than ever. So here in Phoenix, we're seeing a surge because we're seeing an influx of Californians who are fleeing California during coronavirus. And that's happening for several reasons. Part of it is like the the particularly strict lockdowns they have in California. If someone's not a fan of that, right or wrong, you know, they might choose to move somewhere like Phoenix or Texas. Uh, the politics in general, some people are becoming less and less fans of. The tax situation is worse there, although they did just raise income tax in a big way in Arizona. One step, we got a surcharge on people making over like 400 grand, I think, uh, from 4.5% up to 8.5%. So a huge step there, but nonetheless, still a better tax situation than uh, people have in California. So they move places like here, or Texas. Mm. So all that's to say that real estate's very local, that like we have a particular boom going in Phoenix right now because of those effects that might not be enjoyed everywhere in the United States, right? So I think coronavirus has made real estate more local than ever before. So when you're listening to a podcast, I mean, I have listeners all across the United States, internationally. Uh, I think it's like 30 something plus countries now that I have regular listeners in. So thank you guys for the support as a side note. But that is to say that the real estate situation I'm giving advice for in in the United States, let alone in Phoenix, is very, very different than ever before from anywhere else. So when you're researching the question of should you buy real estate or should you invest in real estate as like a landlord right now, you really, really have to do your diligence in local markets. Because I think this new trend, my point with it is that you're going to see more disparity amongst markets than ever before. There's always been disparity, like I outlined at the beginning of the section and this little train of thought that I'm giving you guys. But I think that uh, disparity is going to be bigger than ever going forward because of COVID. So keep a sharp eye on that if you're considering buying, because buying real estate is a really big decision. It's a huge investment for most people relative to their total net worth. So, you know, tread a little carefully with that in mind, depending on what's going on in your market. And you kind of have to evaluate it based off of where you live. Like Phoenix, I'm a bull right now because I think we're going to continue to have this influx from California. The city's just getting better and better than it's ever been before. More businesses are relocating here, more opportunity, more amenities, more great restaurants, more entertainment, and just everything's on the up and up. It's a virtuous cycle. I think the taxes could put a little bit of a dent in our uh, influx, but short of that, I think you're going to see a lot of people moving from California to here and other high income states. Like, you know, my neighbors uh, that I have two, two houses on my street sold to one family, like a, uh, a son and a father both moved all their families into um, my neighborhood, like an adult son. And then his the grandpa uh, all moved into the, in the neighborhood here and they moved from Oregon. So, or what? 
wait, wash. No, they're in Washington. Yeah. Sorry. They were they're in the outskirts of Seattle, but that's my point, right? Like people are influxing from Oregon and Seattle here as well. And, and Washington state and California. So you're starting to see a lot of those micro effects on a bigger scale than ever before because of COVID. So keep an eye on that. What do I think the economic out, uh, impact of that will be in the coming uh, years was the second part of his question. I think I answered that pretty well, right? That you're going to see a lot of wealth creation and people who are in certain pockets, but there's going to be disparity there. You know, that lots of people are going to have their net worth increase because their house is going to increase because they're in the right city from this COVID effect. So I think COVID's going to have massive effects on housing prices in very disparate ways. And I think that is going to impact people's net worth and, and their uh, financial security for years to come. I think the most interesting thing to watch is going to be the back payments and foreclosures and things like that, uh, potential for foreclosures coming due in the next month or so. That's something for you guys as my listeners to really keep tabs on. I'll try to update you on it on this podcast, but that's going to be fascinating to watch how they handle that. But again, my take on that can't give advice on the future or say what's going to happen for sure, but I'd be very surprised if the government doesn't step in and provide relief for people, especially lower income and maybe middle-class people who are affected by that. And rightfully so, right? Like these people should not be homeless through no you know, mistake of their own, right? I mean, having the economy shut down by coronavirus is no one's fault. So you, know, you shouldn't see people lose their homes during that. But I think that would be a hot area for stimulus, in my personal opinion, if uh, things started to unfold that way. And then what do I think of real estate? I mean, I'm in Phoenix, but I see it as a great investment. I'm really, really glad I pulled the trigger and bought this new house when I did. First of all, I've enjoyed the house immensely. I've already had great memories here, holidays here, uh, times that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And I've owned the house for like nine months or less. So I've already had a blast owning this house. It's in a great part of town. I love it so much more than my old house and where I used to live. Uh, like the part of town that I used to live in. So I'm like really pumped on my personal decision. And the best part of all is that it's definitely appreciated, right? So I think even if the market crashes right now, you're not going to see the house, the price of my house dip much below um, uh, uh, what I paid for it. So I think it's a good investment. And I, I kind of got lucky with the, t- well, lucky, you could argue lucky, but also like lots of people were in my ear saying not to move. So it kind of was like a wise move that I saw those macro things unfolding and made the decision. Yeah, there's an element of luck with it that it swung this hard, but I mean, I could get a lot more from my house than I paid for it uh, today. So I'm feeling pretty smart about it. Um, let's see, the final thought I wanted to share with you guys would be on mortgage interest, you know, and mortgage rates. So like people tend to buy their mortgage payment, not the list price of the house. And what I mean by that is if interest rates return to like their historic norms, i.e. they rise significantly from where they are today, then you're going to see the purchase price of houses shrink because people can afford less mortgage payment to buy that house, if that makes sense. The portion of interest it takes of their mortgage payment. So what I mean by that is if someone has a budget of $2,000 a month for their mortgage payment, and right now, let's say theoretically, $400 of that's going to go to interest expense. Well, if interest rates double in that, and that goes up to $800 or more a month in interest expense, then all of a sudden they're going to buy less house in principle. The, the actual price of the house they can afford is down because their payment is the same size. Yes, $2,000 is what they could afford in their budget and because of their job and things. But then that interest rate eats up more of that unless if it goes to the principal of the house, therefore they can afford less house, if all that makes sense. So that's something that I would see as a risk in terms of housing prices going down would be if interest rates rose, you know, that would not be an obvious mechanism for prices to come back down. But again, I don't see that happening. It's very hard for me to see a scenario where they raise interest rates appreciably, at least I think it'll be a gradual change and they'll tie it very closely to can the economy absorb these changes. And the reason I say that is that there's so much massive debt for the government to pay that 
if they start to raise interest rates, the payments on that debt's gonna go through the roof. And although there's technically supposed to be a separation between you know the the central bank and policymakers and, and the government and things like that, I think they, they understand them to be intertwined, that it'd be catastrophic if the government started to have to make bigger interest payments on the US federal debt. So I think that, that they're, they're gonna move very cautiously, although they're supposed to be decoupled, I think that that weighs on their mind as well as a potential force for not raising interest rates aggressively anyways for coming years. So. I don't see a lot of risk on that front. Like some people argue that uh, interest rates are going to rise and therefore housing prices are going to collapse because of that. I just, I don't see that argument adding up. So anyways, that was a fun listener question. I really appreciate you reaching out and asking Nima. I hope that answered it. If you have any other follow-up questions, feel free to DM me. I'll either answer you directly or uh, uh, answer in a follow-up podcast if you guys are interested in this. And on that note, I wanted to really thank you guys for all the support uh, that you've given me and listening in, you know, I know there's tons of podcasts out there, so I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to me, but I really appreciate too, all the feedback you guys have given me. It's really helped me to improve my personal skills and, uh, and to kind of keep the juice with continuing with this podcast. Cause it's a fair amount of work for me to produce these things. Uh, on that note, uh, I would love for you guys to subscribe to me. And if you know of anyone who would enjoy listening to this, you know, if anyone's interested in real estate, maybe they're in the market or thinking about being an investor or something like that, or just like the topic or like finance, then please send this podcast along to them so I can grow my, uh, listener base and grow the channel and grow the the community around it. So I've had some requests for starting up things like discord. So you guys can connect and stuff like that. That's definitely on my radar and probably a project for the second half of this year, as well as I'm considering doing a vlog. So launching like a YouTube channel to expand our audience and to get more, uh, more peers for you guys. So you guys can all enjoy a better community and I can start to develop that part of this project. So I have a lot of cool things planned for the Blackwood show and I'm excited to expand it into 2021. So thank you again for all the support. Thank you for listening and I'll talk at you soon.